Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Gospel Community Providence. My name is Tim, uh, and normally I do the teaching and the leading for Gospel Community Providence here in Rhode Island, uh, but this particular teaching was prepared for uh, one of our partner churches, Gospel Community Church of Rivermont in Lynchburg, Virginia. We were down there for a couple of uh, weeks just visiting family and spending time uh, celebrating a wedding. And uh, I got an opportunity to share a little bit of a passage and uh, what God has been doing in my heart uh, with our sending church. So uh, take a listen. This is uh, written for them. This is prepared for them. Uh, and I'm, I pray that God would use this in your life as well. Let's go. Praise Jesus. Um, hey, family, gathered all over the building and online. Uh, we're going to introduce you to some really, really important people to us and to you. You may not even know them, but they are important to you, <laughs> and hopefully they will be uh, by the end of this conversation. Um, this is Tim and Brittany. This is Tim and Brittany Burroughs. Can you guys just say hey? Hey, guys. Um, we, we felt the, the, the greetings of those in the overflow rooms and online as well. Um, so in, in our building, in sort of the little foyer area, um, there's a wall. There's a map on that wall. There's a bunch of pictures of human beings on that map. Those are missionaries. Those are church planters. Those are people uh, who, who we are privileged as a local church. You are privileged as a local church to partner with spiritually, financially, uh, and with other resources to export the, the message of Jesus around the country and around the world. Um, Tim and Brittany are on that map. You should go see their beautiful faces, take up a prayer card, but they're also right here in person, which is pretty awesome. So Tim is going to, uh, he's, he's going to preach in just a minute. He's going to walk us through our text for this morning. But before we did, we just wanted to introduce you and have them as a family share a little bit about what God has had them doing uh, as church planters in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, because they are an extension of us, and we are an extension of them. We're partners in ministry together. Uh, and so our, our hope, we have, uh, have for a long time had a deep affection for this family, and so we just want everyone to know who they are, uh, to be with them prayer, uh, prayerfully and uh, in every other way possible. So, Tim and Brittany, would you just start, just introduce, you also don't have a microphone. I'll just share mine with you. Is that okay? And I'll take that one. Um, will you just share a little bit about, just who? Just tell us who you are, because pretend like we don't know who you are. Sure. Uh, I'm Brittany. Um, we're just, we're really excited to be here. Tim and I um, met here in Lynchburg at Liberty. We attended gospel. We're part of this family for a long time, and so it's really nice to be back. Um, I'm a therapist. I've been, I should be able to answer this question. I'm a therapist. Um, I work with children after they've made um, allegations, uh, disclosures of sexual abuse, physical abuse, and severe neglect. Um, so I'm privileged to be able to work with them and their families. Um, Tim is a pastor, of course. Um, I don't know if you want to share more. <laughs> so it's more about your family. Who do you, is it just you two? We have a daughter. She is almost 10 months old, and she is absolutely beautiful and hilarious. Um, we love her. Yeah. Uh, she was, she's, a, she's the first roadie. She was born in Rhode Island, um, and she's probably going to have that Rhode Island accent, isn't she? Oh, yeah. She oh, okay. 
Um, we also have two dogs, um, Kona and Bear. Kona is a really grumpy little dachshund, and Bear is the sweetest Australian Shepherd you'll ever yeah. meet. Eager to please. Yeah. yeah. So like a family and, and a, a, like a zoo also. <laughs> um, all right, so um, you are planting a church in Providence, Rhode Island. So yeah. why, why plant a church? So we talk a lot about in, in the life of our church, every follower of Jesus is a missionary. There are, it's not like they're varsity level Christians and those people are missionaries and then there's the rest of us JV jokers who just stay where we are. Uh, we're all sent on mission to live in our homes, neighborhoods, world to make the name of Jesus known. Um, but, but Tim and Brittany, you guys felt the call to go do that in another city. Why? How did that develop for you two? So it actually started while we were right here in Lynchburg. Providence wasn't even on our minds yet. Um, we were wrestling with what the scriptures were calling us to. We had a small community around us that were asking the same questions. It was our community group. We were asking, what does it mean to love Jesus, to be the family of God to one another? What does it mean for us to be missionaries in our culture? And uh, we weren't waiting for someone else to tell us what to do. And during this process, we realized that uh, we, we had the, the, the longing to go plant a church. So uh, Providence, Rhode Island is... I mean, it's beautiful. It's fantastic. It's, for many people, it's a vacation destination. If you're planning your next vacation, make sure you check out Rhode Island. Uh, gorgeous. Believe it or not, it is the ocean state. Yeah. Most of the tiny coastline, I mean, most of its borders are coast. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful state. Um, we, when we drive around sometimes, we, we, we're like in awe that we actually live here. Uh, Providence also has some incredible need, and I'm going to share a little bit more about this in my teaching, but... Um, it is one of the top most post-Christian cities in America. It's one of the uh, least Bible-minded cities in America. It's one of the least churched cities in America. And despite its incredible church history, um, despite the, the, the rich cultural Christianity that was a part of it for, for many, many years, um, there's, there's a huge need there. There's also really good food there. And great coffee. Yeah, yeah. So, so a little bit more on that. Why, why the Northeast? You could have yeah. gone anywhere. Yeah. Why the Northeast? So I grew up all over the place. I was um, part of a military family, so there wasn't a really place that I felt called to go back to that was home. Tim grew up in upstate New York, so mm -hmm. he really had this kind of longing on his heart to go back to the Northeast in general. And I'll let yeah. you speak more to that. Um, we, we actually, we spent a lot of time praying. We spent a lot of time talking to people that were from the Northeast and that knew us well and asking them, man, where, where can you see us planting a church? And uh, they came up with a lot of different ideas, and we did a lot of research, looked at the map a lot, uh, and we narrowed it down to four cities that we wanted to take a look at. And uh, we, back in Thanksgiving, I think of 2015, 2016, we took a trip we planned to meet with different pastors and, and leaders uh, in each of the cities. And uh, we asked three questions, uh, need, fit, and love. Um, where is there a need that we feel like we can help fill? Um, where would we fit uh, as like a family without having to do massive life reconstruction? And there's nothing wrong. If, I mean, if you're moving to a foreign country, you're going to have to do some life reconstruction in order to fit in. Uh, we just didn't want to spend 15 years becoming locals. We wanted to feel like, all right, this is, we belong here. This is, this is our home. And most importantly, 
Uh, where would we love to live next 10, 20, 30 years? Even if we weren't planting a church, we would love to live there. We would love to build relationships and make disciples there. And Providence was the only one of those four that was a yes on all three counts. Yeah. Um, so, so the Northeast is, is similar or different than the South? <laughs> different. <laughs> Anybody from the Northeast originally? Yeah, so is it, is it the same or is it different than the South? Yeah, it's very different. It's very different culturally. Yeah. Um, and so planting a church there is different than planting a church in the yeah, South. Yeah, there there's definitely a lot of adjustments. Uh, there's actually some, some interesting similarities between planting in Providence and planting in Lynchburg, but I'll, I'll talk about that in, in the teaching. Um, but it's a, it's a completely different world. People think differently. People um, talk differently. People uh, act differently. People tweet differently. Uh, it's been interesting watching even like the social media try to like figure out which algorithm to give me uh, because now I live in the liberal Northeast. <laughs> so, so when we plant churches, we, we do that out of an overflow of our mission, which is to, to make disciples. That's the mission that Jesus gave us. So we want to fill the city of Lynchburg, joining with all of the other churches uh, with disciples of Jesus who make much of his name and who make other disciples. You can do that uh, on mission in this city. You can do that on mission in another city. Some of you uh, are going to be here for a long, long time in Lynchburg. Uh, some of you are going to go and pursue a career or a life elsewhere what we want to do is we want to send out church planters uh, into cities and then invite you to consider, hey, you know, w when it's your time to go to another city, pursue a career, why not start with one of the cities we already have a church plant in and see if, you, if God might provide a job there and be on mission with one of our church plants in that community, in that city. Providence is a great, is a great opportunity. It's a great city, great food, great place to live. Selling it hard this morning. If you don't love it, then I don't know that you meant to just want to check your heart. I don't know. Um... But, but when God calls you to go, if he does, to another city, why not put your yes on the table to living on mission and maybe even joining uh, one of our church planters and church plants in another city? That's, that's our hope. And, yeah. and it, we love Tim and Brittany. It, they've served on staff for a little while. They were around gospel for a long time. Tim will talk about that more in a minute. And it's really hard to send out people who you love. It's really hard to say goodbye the people that you love. If you've ever been in a gospel community that's multiplied, uh, one of our small groups, and you had to, you had to say goodbye to the same kind of relationships that you had in that loving community for the sake of the gospel. This is the pattern we see all throughout the Book of Acts. We call it gospel goodbyes. They're bitter and they're sweet. It's hard to do this, but we believe that our generous God provides for our needs. So when we have to say goodbye to Tim and Brittany. Uh, we believe that God's going to backfill that for us and for them, that relational need, that God provides for us what we need when we need it, even when he calls us to do hard things. And so God might call you to do that. God might be calling you to do that today. You might be like, I came in here wanting to worship, and now I feel like I have to join a church plant. You're welcome. <laughs> That's the plan. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty I'm of room for you in Providence. Um, there's no question there, but I'm going to okay. ask a question now. This is the last question. So... Um, Tim, Brittany, if you have uh, a prayer or a hope or a blessing for Gospel Community Providence yeah. uh, or for Gospel Community Rivermont or both, um, would you just share your one hope, prayer, blessing for those two churches? Yeah, I was thinking about this because I got the questions last night and I was chewing on uh, what is this, this shade. word? You just threw shade. <laughs> what, is, what is this encouragement, this prayer that I have for both congregations, for our church in Providence who are watching right now, actually. Hey, guys, love you. Miss you. See you in a couple weeks. 
um, but also for, for you guys. And the, the one word that came to my mind was unity. I, I was praying, my prayer for you guys and for us is unity in your congregation, unity in vision and purpose, unity in uh, direction, just in what, what, what Christ is calling you into. These, these are the prayers for my church, right? I, I pray for unity. I pray for um, just a common a commonness between us uh, in what we're doing and what we're about. Yeah, I think, um, <clears throat> so as Tim was preparing for his message this morning, and I hope I'm not jumping the gun on you at all here, um, but we were talking a lot about the passage um, in Hebrews where they say, do not grow weary of doing good. Um, and I, I just think of in, in Providence, there are so few um, people following the way of Jesus, and it can be really hard work sometimes and we can grow weary. And then I think of here in Lynchburg where sometimes we're oversaturated with Christian culture or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and it just feels tiring. And so I think the one, one thing on my mind um, that I wanna share and that I pray for ourselves, for our church, for all of you, is not to grow weary. Um, and I don't think that verse is in scripture shaming us, right? Jesus knows we'll grow weary, but he's given us his church that we can go to for support and encouragement. He's given us his word that we can go to for support and encouragement and rest. And so I think that's what I would share is, is just when you are weary, lean into those things that he's given us. We receive that. Yeah, church, we receive that. Uh, would you just, um, just thank Tim and Brittany. So, so what I want us to do is clap for them because there's nothing else we can do. You can't come up and give them and hug, hug them or anything. Well, wait a minute, not yet, not yet, wait a minute. What I meant was, so, so it can feel lonely. Uh, it can feel um, like you, you may not know them, they, they may not know you, um, but we love them when we're one. And they're an extension of us. Uh, we're like extended family. Um, and so the reason why we wanted to do this was to humanize missionaries, church planters. Uh, Tim's gonna preach in just a minute and he'll, he'll talk more about that as well. Um, but to, that God would knit our hearts together. That's the purpose of taking the time uh, to do this together. So if you would, would you just extend your hand out towards them as if you were laying your hand on them in prayer? Um, I'm gonna actually do that uh, and you can do it vicariously through me and, and let's just pray for them. Um, if you agree with the words I'm saying, you can say amen in your heart or you can pray your own prayer over them. God, we pray for Tim and Brittany, their growing family, um, the church in Providence, um, gathering even with us now at a distance. Jesus, we pray that that same spirit that raised you from the dead, defeating sin and all its effects, death so that it no longer has the final word. We pray that you would fill them afresh and anew with that same Holy Spirit. We know you dwell in their hearts through faith, but we ask uh, for new um, outpourings of your power in their life, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them as, uh, as pastors, as parents, as uh, husband and wife, as a church family. Gospel Community Providence, would you uh, form them as a family, fill them with your spirit? Um, God, would you 
Would you give them new depths of intimacy with you and a, a greater sense of your nearness to them than they've ever known before, greater fruitfulness in their walk with you and in their ministry than they ever thought possible? And God, would you use us uh, here on the corner of Rivermont and Bedford Avenue to be a source of encouragement for them for the long haul? And God, the same prayer that Brittany has for us, God, we pray now back over them. God, let them not grow weary in doing good. Here's the promise. Because we know that at the right time, at the right time, at the right time, they will reap a harvest if they don't give up. So spirit be their strength when they don't have any more, be their joy. Um, you are, your steadfast love is better than life, so set their eyes on you afresh and anew. And we all pray this together in the name of Jesus. And everybody says, amen. Again, now, would you thank them and love them by clapping for them? All right, I think it's my turn. Yeah, your turn. All right, I'm up. I'm taking your water. Oh, yeah. So, Brittany, uh, all right, our church in Providence, um, we don't have a lot of musicians. We don't have a lot of uh, people with uh, just worship abilities. And so, uh, a lot of that falls on me. I get to lead the worship and I get to do the teaching. And so, we try to find ways to incorporate the gathering into our, our time together, to incorporate the people who are there into our time together. So, we always have someone from our church read the, the passage for that Sunday. Uh, before the teaching. So I asked my wife to do that for us this morning. All right. So this morning we're in Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. Thank you. I love you. So my hope for us this morning, there's not a ton of time left, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to power through it, um, is to share a little bit of my story with you. Uh, there are some highlights. There are some difficulties that we've gone through. Uh, to merge that a little bit, hopefully, with your story and what you're experiencing this morning, uh, and then also to take a look at what the scriptures have to say to both of us uh, regarding our situations. Uh, if you were to be honest with yourself this morning, you don't have to actually raise your hand. I just want you to think to yourself, how many of you would say that you're going through a difficult season right now? All right? How many of you... Uh, have experienced challenges in the past maybe day, week, month, maybe it's been years, that are some of the most overwhelming things you have ever experienced. All right, with everything that's going on in our world today, with everything that's going on, maybe, maybe it's a relational issue. Maybe you've got some tension or hurt that's going on. Uh, that, that's with a sibling or a spouse or a parent or a friend. Maybe you're just overwhelmed by, I don't know, the economy, the, the pandemic, the, uh, the, the political state of our nation, the racial injustice. You've got, you've got hurts that are deep within you, and I think there's enough things going on in our world today that there's not a single person in this room that's not being somehow affected uh, and going through some level of difficulty. Maybe some of you are hurting over some of the leadership transitions that have been going on over the past couple of weeks. 
I want you to take a minute, go, pull out your, either a pen and paper if you brought that, or your phone if, you, if you've only got a phone. I want to give you one minute to write down on your phone, on your sheet of paper, one difficulty, one hurt, one trial, um, one of those things um, that you're going through right now. Something that you can be thinking of as we're looking at this passage, because I want this to be practical for you. I don't want it to just be an abstract you know, thought Experiments. I want you to be thinking specifically about your hurt, your trial, your difficulty as we're talking this morning. Go ahead and do that now. So I've already said, you know, we're from Providence, Rhode Island. We're planting a church. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we stepped into a, the church planting residency at Gospel back in 2015. Thank you, by the way, for, for being a part of creating spaces like that for pastors and church planters to learn. Uh, it was invaluable for me. I got to spend two years asking questions, watching, learning it gave me the space I needed to put together a plan for our church plant uh, to do what the preparation and prayer that I needed. It gave me the space to, uh, to identify financial partners and supporters that were going to come alongside of us uh, and even to assemble our team. We had about four or five families that, that were a part of gospel community that wanted to move to Rhode Island with us. Um, someone once asked me, like, how did you get five families to move with you? Um, it's a really good question. I actually just told people I was moving to Providence, and people who were already planning on moving to that region said, well, I, I want to be a part of that. Uh, and little, uh, literally, our first couple came to us and said, uh, the, the, the morning we announced this, came to us and said, we're moving with you. Um, and so you, I, I echo what Brenton was saying, okay? Uh, if you are thinking about moving somewhere, move with the church plan. Right? If you are a student here this morning and you're planning on going home one day, go home with the church plan. Right, go be a part of God's mission with a team. Uh, planting in Rhode Island has been one of the most amazing and yet one of the most difficult times of my life. Uh, it has brought some of my greatest joys, and it has brought some of my deepest hurts. Um, when we were getting ready to, to move, in 2017 is when we finally got to move to Providence. We landed uh, in, in this new foreign place. Uh, it was right before winter as well, so if you, if you know, you know New England winters are obviously really you know, light and easy, um, that is not true. Uh, we tried to do our best to set our expectations well, right? We, didn't, we, we knew that moving to Providence wasn't going to be uh, a, a walk in the park. Starting a church in New England was not going to be a walk in the park. And so I expected, uh, I expected things to be slow. Uh, what I found was they were slower. Uh, I expected things to be hard. Uh, what I found was they were harder. Uh, I expected some spiritual warfare and pushback from the enemy, uh, what I found was it came in full force. Uh, when you're planting in a, in a culture like Providence, where in Providence people are not asking the question, where should I go to church? Right? That's, not even, that's not even a question that's on their mind. Right? When you're planting in a place like Providence, you don't sh the, the goal is not to show up with the best band, the best speaker, the best venue, and see if you can attract enough people. You might get some Christians that will come as a result of that, uh, but people are not looking for a church. 
And so instead, you take the approach of a missionary. When a missionary moves into a foreign culture, a foreign country, the first thing they do is establish their family. They, uh, they learn the language. They spend time building some relationships, and they slowly work on build, uh, including those relationships into their community, invite them into dialogue. Okay? We spend time practicing what we call the demonstration and the declaration of the gospel. Okay, it is my responsibility, it is your responsibility as followers of Jesus, followers of the way of Jesus, to demonstrate the gospel to a watching world. All right, you are on display. You are an art gallery on display. And the way that you work, the way that you drive, the way that you live, the way that you engage with people on social media is all a demonstration of the gospel that you believe. Okay, so we as as missionaries, we try to demonstrate the gospel in such a way so that it asks, it begs the question from our neighbors and our co-workers, why are you the way that you are? The demonstration of the gospel. And along with that, we also practice the declaration of the gospel where we speak the truths of the gospel into everyday life, into our neighbors and our co-workers. And then above all, a missionary spends a lot of time praying praying for the Holy Spirit to do what only the Holy Spirit can do. And so, just to give you some practical examples of, of the difficulties that we went through, I mean, we, uh, we had four or five families that we thought would take about six to nine months for them to move to Providence. Uh, in reality, it took about 16 months, right? Almost twice as long. And that was for a number of reasons. Work, homes, families, just took longer than expected. Right? We anticipated some life challenges and difficulties. Uh, every single member of our team that moved to Providence had some level of spiritual warfare and difficulty within the first couple of months. By the end, I'm going to skip ahead here. There's a lot of really awesome things that happened in between all of this. Uh, but by the end of year two, uh, I had come to a point of extreme spiritual discouragement, frustration, difficulty, almost to an unbearable place. It was one of the lowest spiritual places I've ever been in my life. I experienced everything from frustration and discouragement, even to, to bitterness and isolation and anger. And this would change between bitterness at myself and my own abilities or inabilities, weaknesses and strengths. It would change with, with frustration with the, the church that I was given and the team that I was given, which they're awesome. I love them. It would even change at some points where I would become angry and bitter, angry and bitter at God himself. Right? Didn't we move across the country, sacrifice our comfort, sacrifice uh, our friends that were here, and we've invested ourselves into this. We're, we're praying. We're having conversations. Why, why does it feel like God's not doing his part? I wonder if any of you have felt this way this morning. Have you ever felt this way? Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're hurt, you're lonely. Maybe you've gotten to the point of bitterness and anger at yourself, at someone else, at God. If anyone tells you that church planting is fun, uh, I promise you they are lying. Right? It's really hard. There are fun moments, but it's really hard. I think the author of Hebrews, I think he understood uh, the, the difficulties and the trials and the, uh, the hurts that his, his readers would experience in their lives. Uh, if you're familiar at all with Hebrews, it's written to a Christian Jewish audience that's scattered throughout the known world. Um, and these people 
in this time frame, it was okay to be Jewish. It was not okay to be a Christian, okay? If you were Jewish, you, you would sail by with no problems. If you are a Christian, however, you would experience persecution, difficulty, trials. And so as a result, these Jewish Christians, were they had a temptation. And what if I just say goodbye to Jesus and I return to Judaism and, uh, and I, it, my life would be so much easier. I wouldn't have all the spiritual warfare. I wouldn't have all these issues, these frustrations, these hurts. My life wouldn't be a risk. And so the author of Hebrews, his whole point in writing this book is to show them how Jesus is better. That's the key phrase for the book. Jesus is better. He systematically works through every aspect of Judaism in order to show that Jesus is the better temple. Right? He is the better sacrifice. He is the better high priest. Why would you return to a lesser thing when you've, once you've had Jesus? He goes on and on and on. It just systematically dismantles this. And at the end, around, around uh, Hebrews chapter 11, the, he turns a corner and he spends some time examining the people who have gone before, who have had to live by faith. All of the people that he talks about experienced great trials, great persecutions, great sufferings, and they had to endure by faith. And he tells us in Hebrews 11 that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Right, do you believe that? Do you believe that your faith is critical to please God? Right, he doesn't care about your Bible studies, your activities, your Sunday morning attendance. He doesn't care about how often you can check off that you read the Bible that morning. He doesn't care about any of that. Your degrees matter nothing if there's no faith. It means nothing if there's no faith. I wonder this morning if you've considered how God is using your hurts and your difficulties to foster within you a deeper faith. Or are you too focused on the hurt itself to see how God is longing to use it in your life? Right? This morning, I want to give you four places that I want you to look other than at yourself. When I'm hurting, all right, my temptation is look inward, look at myself, only think about myself, forsake everything else. I've got to care for myself. And I don't want, I want to be careful here, I don't want to, I don't want to minimize or ignore the hurt. It's real, it's there, the difficulty is there, your pain is real, that's okay. It's okay to experience that difficulty and that pain. It's important for you, in order to move forward, in order... It's important for you to not lose sight of what matters most. So four places to look other than at yourself, your hurts, or your difficulties. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So the first place I want you to look when you are hurting, when you're going through trials or difficulties or spiritual warfare, is I want you to practice looking around. Looking around. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who are these? Who is this cloud? Who is this cloud of witnesses? Right, it's the people he just described in Hebrews 11 that have gone before us, 
right? They have walked in faith. They have experienced great trial, and they have persevered. Their faith was pleasing to their Heavenly Father. And we get to look back at them. So look through your scriptures. Read the Psalms. See how people have worked out their faith through difficulty. They're also the people that are surrounding you here right now. They're the people that are in your church, in your community, in your community groups. Right? These are the people that you need to turn to when you are going through hurts. So for me, in Providence, darkest, deepest, hardest part of my life, it meant spending time faithfully in the scriptures and looking specifically for the people who had to display great faith. Right? It meant, for me, it meant practicing vulnerability with my church, practicing vulnerability with my mentors, my family. And, and, and learning to sit under their encouragement, right? If you are a part of a community group, and in your community group, everything is surface level, okay, that's, that's natural. It's, when you first start to build relationships, it's natural for there to be some surface level relationship. Uh, you have to be the one who starts the, the vulnerability, Right? If you are not able to share with your community group what it is that you're struggling with, what it is that's hurting you, what it is that you're going through, how are they supposed to speak into that and encourage you? You be the one that starts that. Uh, I can't tell you, and this is a little sidebar, if you're sitting here and you're one of our financial partners or if you're listening online and you're one of the folks that, that joined in supporting us and, and giving towards Gospel Community Providence, I want to say a huge thank you to you. I can't tell you how many times over the past three years I've wanted to quit, right? And the, the, just, just looking at my emails and the encouragements and the donations and the gifts coming in faithfully reminded me that God is not done working with us yet, right? And who am I to close the door and quit before Jesus closes the door? So thank you for your faithful partnership and support and prayer. I want you to practice looking around. Number two, I want you to practice looking down. Let us also lay aside every weight in a sin which clings so closely. Um, have you guys ever seen the Virginian 10-miler? Has anyone want to go watch it? No? How many people have you seen running the Virginia 10-miler with, like, a suitcase on their back? Right? No one. That's not how you run a race. It's a really bad way to win a race. Right? When you go to win a race, you want to take off everything that's constricting, restricting, all the things that are weighing you down, all the things that are going to be clunky, and you want to run as light as possible. All right, so what is preventing you this morning from running the race that God has set up before you? Is it a, a bad habit? Right? Is it a relationship? Is it maybe some lack of discipline in your life? Maybe it's a sin. What are the things that are, that are the chains that are holding you down and preventing you from running this race well? Maybe you need to spend some time confessing that to another believer. Maybe to someone in your pew, in your family, maybe an elder, maybe it's a part of your community group. Right? Is there some deeper emotional and spiritual issues and hurts that you need to spend some time working with a counselor and just working through those issues so you can be able to set that aside and move forward and run the race well? That's a shameless plug for, for counseling. My, my wife's a counselor. 
Right, so for me, in Providence, in these deep, dark moments, this meant setting aside unhealthy habits and rhythms. Uh, it meant identifying and confessing my own sins and unbeliefs uh, to those around me. And most importantly, it meant surrendering my unhealthy expectations and definitions of success. All right? In my mind, I, I knew what success to God was, in my heart, I was still holding on to a different success. And so it meant surrendering that so that I could run my race fully. So we look around. Hebrews tells us to look down. Number three, Hebrews tells us to look forward. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Um, At the end of the day, you can't change your past. You can't change anyone else. Uh, You can only run the race that was set before you. And you have to run it with endurance. Right? You can't just get all excited and gung-ho for a week and thinking, all right, I'm going to try this new thing that Pastor Tim talked about, and then after you don't see anything happening in two weeks, you just fizzle out. Right? The point of this is to press forward in faith, even when I don't see the fruit Right, for me, in Providence, uh, looking forward, uh, this is just real, this might be silly to some of you, but it meant um, removing all forms of comparison from my life. As a church planter, I had to unfollow other church planters on social media, not because I didn't like them, not because I didn't agree with them, uh, but because when I saw what they were doing, what God was doing through them, I would start comparing right away. Right, I needed to remove those forms of comparison because I'm not called to run Pastor Brenton's race. He was sitting here at the first service, so he's not there anymore. (laughs) I'm not called to run Pastor Brenton's race. I'm not called to Pastor Gospel Community Rivermont. I'm called to Providence, to my church, at this time, at that place, with all of its issues and joys and struggles and frustrations. I have been given that, that path to run. And if I spend my time looking at how others are running, I'm going to be stumbling all over the place. Right? So you practice looking around. You practice looking down. You practice looking forward. And then most importantly, you practice looking up to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And this this might be hard for some of you to hear, but some of you are so focused on your own hurts and difficulties and trials that you've lost sight of what truly matters. You have allowed what you are going through to distract you from what God intends for you. And instead of running a race faithfully in faith, you've resorted to complaining, bickering, backbiting, and hurting others. It's amazing to me that some of the harshest and most ungodly and unloving things that are being said today are being said by so-called Christians, and I wonder if you are one of them. Let that sit for a second. How are you on social media? How are you when you are talking about that person that's frustrating you? 
when you think that you're in private. And some, some don't even pretend to speak in private. You publicly speak with words that are hurtful to other people. It is not meant to be this way for those that follow the way of Jesus. For me, in Providence, keeping my eyes on Jesus meant choosing to live with joy rather than complaining. And I have these moments, even today, right, where I start to complain and I get frustrated about this, that, or the other. And my wife gives me that look, that look of like, all right, you're, you're complaining again. We've talked about this. And I have to be reminded, okay, uh, it's not about me. It's not about my issues. It's about focusing my time and my eyes on Jesus. Right, for me, this means enduring the difficulty rather than giving up. It means remembering that this developing of a deeper faith within me is worth more to my Heavenly Father than a million successful church plants. How are you doing this morning? Where's your heart? Right, are you going to be the kind of person who lets your hurts, your difficulties, and your struggles rule your life? Or are you going to refocus your attention on what matters most, looking into the right places instead of at yourself? A little bit further down in Hebrews, he says this, verse 12, Therefore lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Right, there's so much in Hebrews 12 that I want to talk about that we just, we just don't have time. So much to unpack. But I want you to pull out that sheet of paper or that note on your phone that you wrote down at the beginning of the, the teaching. Pull it out right now. I'm watching you guys. Right? Pull it out right now. I want you to take a look at what you wrote down. What is that thing that you wrote down, that, you, that hurt, difficulty, trial that you're going through? I want you to go deal with it. Tonight, before the sun sets, deal with it. And it may not be something that can be dealt with in one day. That's okay. Start the process today. Right? Call up a friend, a family member, a community group member, an elder, and say, this is what's going on in my life. And I need, to, I need help making sure that I deal with it and don't just push it aside and keep focusing on my hurt and my pain and my struggle. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, um, and we all go through trials. We all go through difficulties. We all go through sufferings. But I'm just, I'm just so thankful, so incredibly thankful uh, that the things that you went through... Uh, you modeled for us what it meant to walk through them with faith. You went through the worst of trials, the worst of pains, the worst of hurts. Thank you, Jesus, that you, uh, your payment on the cross enables us to endure these things and keep running our race faithfully. Would you help us, Lord, um, to take our eyes off of ourselves? Would you help us, Lord, uh, to, to, to deal with the issues and the hurts that we have going on, to not let the sun set on our anger? Would you do what only you can do in our lives, Lord, as we focus our attention on you? Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.